Welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1, and we hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Revelation chapter 21 tonight. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn with us there. Revelation chapter 21. We're going to be dealing with the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 21 and verse 1. John said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Haven, if you will, go to Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17. Isaiah and Peter both uh, spoke of the new heaven and the new earth. Isaiah said, 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mine. Now, what exactly is going to happen? Uh, Peter wrote about this coming time, Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 10 is where we're going to pick it up at there. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, just stop right there for just a minute. The day of the Lord speaks of the second coming of Christ. And when he comes back, he's going to set up his kingdom to rule and reign for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, Satan's going to be loosed for a little season. Now, we don't know how long that little season will be. It's just going to be for a short period of time. But um, he'll be, lead, he'll be uh, let loose to lead one last rebellion against God. And that's going to be put down. And once that's put down, we have the great white throne judgment where death and hell was delivered up and all were made to stand before the great white throne. And... The dead were judged out of the things that were written in the books, and whoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And that's where they will spend eternity. At the end of the great white throne judgment, immediately following that will be the new heavens and the new earth. Now, this new heavens and the new earth is going to come about by fire. Let's read it again, Second Peter 3, 
verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And again, that's the second coming of Christ. He's going to be coming back at the battle of Armageddon when the Antichrist is, is uh, coming down on Israel with all of his armies. And um, he's going to try to wipe them off the face of the earth. And they're not expecting Christ to come back. He's going to come back as a thief in the night. He's going to catch them off guard. You know, and that's kind of an amazing thing to me. The Bible plainly tells us when these things will be taking place. During the tribulation period, you're going to be able to look at the newspaper and see the events that are going on. And you're going to be able to say, hey, you know, it's X amount of time before this happens. They should know that Christ is, is at hand. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise. That's at the end of the millennium. When Satan leads his last rebellion against God and the great white throne judgment is over with. And I believe if we go back and look there in the 20th chapter, Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. Notice that from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. Um, it is thought by some people that that is when the heavens and the earth will be renovated by fire at that time, when everybody is in heaven and the great white throne judgment is taking place. That's just a thought there. Getting back to where we were at, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heaven shall pass away. I want to look at that word, pass away, for just a minute. Uh, the Greek word for pass away is parakomia. Okay? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, because it's all Greek to me. Okay? <laughs> but it means to pass from one condition to another. That's what the, the Greek word means. It's passing from one condition to another. It does not mean annihilation or elimination. Uh, this world was created to be eternal. It's not going to be destroyed, eliminated, as some believe and teach. But according to this Greek word here, uh, it's going to go from one condition to another. The heavens and the earth is going to be remade. All right, let's look at verse 11 there of Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter 3, verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation, the word conversation there simply means lifestyle, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy lifestyle and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, 
Notice that. Up in verse 10, it's the day of the Lord. Here in verse 12, it's the coming of the day of God. There's a difference. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. The original creation that has been marred by sin for 6,000 years now is going to be done away with. Everything that's been marred by sin. When this takes place, there's going to be a new surface. And how God's going to do all that, I don't know. That's his business. But this new surface is going to be an area in which dwelleth righteousness. Sin will no longer be an issue in this world. It's going to be done away with. Glory to God. Now, let's look at the heavens here. It talks about the heavens and the earth. Now, the word heavens is not referring to the planet in which God dwells. The word heavens is referring to the atmosphere around the earth. We have three heavens. The Apostle Paul said, I was called up to the third heaven. The third heaven is the actual place or planet where God dwells. But... There are three heavens. You have the atmosphere, which is around the earth. Then you have outer space, the stars, the moon, the planets, that sort of thing. Then you have the actual place or the planet in which God dwells. Those are your three heavens. But the heavens that's being referred to here is the uh, atmosphere that's around the earth because it's earth. That has been corrupted by sin. It's the earth that uh, demon spirits are having their way. Uh, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. If God would pull back the blinds tonight and we could look into the spirit world, you would see demon spirits occupying the atmosphere of this earth. All that's going to be cleansed and done away with. You know, they keep talking about holes in the ozone and going green and air pollution and all this kind of stuff. Right here is where God's going to fix it. They keep talking about global warming and gases and all this kind of stuff. Right here is where God's going to fix it. New heavens and a new earth. All of it's going to be cleansed by fire. Now, let's look at the word new. New. The Greek word for new is kainos. Again, that's Greek to me. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right or not, but anyway. It means freshness with respect to age. The idea is simply this. When it's all finished, it's going to be brand new, which is obvious. God's going to be here. God the Father. And we're going to read about it in just a minute. It's going to be new as far as freshness is concerned. No matter how old it gets, it's always going to have that new 
and fresh appearance to it. Now, that just boggles our minds because, you know, you go out and you buy a new car and as soon as you drive it off the lot, it's depreciated several thousand dollars. In a week or so, you go out there and look, you got a scratch on it or it gets dirty. It, it starts to lose its its freshness, its new look. They did a great job out there in the fellowship hall. That floor looks great. But we had homecoming out there this past Sunday, and I guarantee you if we go out there and look hard enough, you're going to see uh, that floor don't look as fresh as it did uh, when they drove the last nail in it or whatever it was they, they did out there. Uh, so, and all of you that participated in that, we thank you and we appreciate all your work so very, very much. But our, our, in our minds, new has to do with brand new buying it from the store. But God's definition of new, His presence is what keeps it new and fresh. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. The latter part of verse 1 says, And there was no more sea. Of Revelation 21, verse 1, there was no more sea. The sea is a result of Noah's flood. And God brought judgment upon this world because of sin. So when you go down to the beach and you look out and you see all that water, which incidentally covers about three-quarters of the earth's surface, which greatly limits uh, man being able to populate that area. All of that, the oceans is a result of sin. There'll be no more sea. The new heavens and the new earth. When that fire comes from God, and this earth is renovated by fire, there'll be no more sea, no more oceans. Anything and everything that sin has destroyed or corrupted is going to be done away with. Now, there'll still be some small lakes, rivers, streams, uh, that sort of thing. But uh, the oceans are going to be done away with at that time. All right, Revelation 21 and verse 2. But before I get to that, let me ask this question. And maybe some of you are thinking about it. When this renovation of fire takes place in this world, where will we be? Have you ever thought about it? Are we going to be here when all that fire is going on? Will we be burned? You got to keep in mind there's going to be natural people living in physical bodies just like we are living in physical bodies right now. What's going to happen to these people? I don't think that's a problem with God. If he can speak a word and we can be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, to be called up together to meet the Lord in the air and to be with the Lord forever, I don't think it's going to be a problem for God to transport everybody in this world uh, to the planet heaven to be there while he's doing the renovation project on this earth. But I don't know. We're just going to, right now our main concern should be getting there. Amen. But uh, there's nothing wrong with thinking about these things and discussing it. But the Bible doesn't say. 
So we're just going to have to leave that up to the Lord to take care of that. All right, Revelation 21 and verse 2. John said, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now this presents the, the new city for the new earth. It's going to be utopia. Ever since the fall, man has tried to create a utopian paradise where there will be no problems. The problem with that is man has always tried to have this paradise without God. And it's impossible to have a perfect environment and God not be in it. That's why it plainly says here, the holy city, New Jerusalem, is coming down from God. There's your utopia right there. You can't have utopia without God. And it's coming down from God out of heaven, the Bible says. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now this proclaims the dwelling place and the eternal home of all the redeemed that's been especially prepared for us. That word prepared, it harks back to what Jesus said in John 14. Haven, if you will, put that up on the screen. John chapter 14, verse 1, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare. John said it's been prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, I want you to think about the time in question of which Jesus spoke this to the disciples. It was just a matter of hours, and Jesus would go to the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid for this of which we're reading about right here, that place. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. The preparation part of it, most of it, well, I guess you could say all of it, was done at Calvary. If it weren't for what Jesus did at Calvary, you and I wouldn't even see this holy city. But one day, we're going to see this huge city, this 1,500 miles square, 1,500 miles high. Streets are made of pure gold. Glory to God. That's just our minds can't comprehend uh, what God has prepared for those that love Him. And you know, Jesus did it all for us. He did not do that for Himself. The Lord, when He paid the price for sin, He paid for this beautiful place that one day we're going to see and one day we're going to enjoy it. We just can't thank the Lord enough for what He's done. Uh, Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying. Now, 
This particular phrase is used 21 times in the book of Revelation. It always denotes something of great importance. Uh, This is the last time that this phrase is used. It proclaims that which God has always intended to do all along, and that's to be with his people. He said, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. In the very beginning, the opening chapters of the book of Genesis, we see where God was walking in the midst of the garden, walking among the trees of the garden, having communion with Adam and Eve. And immediately after the fall, God killed an animal and pulled its skin off and made coats to cover Adam and Eve. And in that act, he instituted the sacrificial system, which pointed to what Jesus would do for us at the cross. God, in that act, was reestablishing fellowship with man. He wants to be with his creation. That I want to say that again. He wants to be... With his creation. He wants to be with you. You should want to be with him. You should set aside a few minutes every day just to get along with him. I I, I feel that. I sense that. God wants to be with you. Just, Just let that sink in for just a moment. God wants to be with you. He wants to have communion with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. Same time, he wants you to have fellowship and communion with him. He instituted that sacrificial system, in essence telling man, if you will, shed the blood of an innocent victim, which typified Christ and what he would do at the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin and no fellowship with God. And God said, if you'll do this, then we can have fellowship. A short time later, God spoke with Moses, told him to build the tabernacle and all of its furnishings. He said in Exodus 25, verse 22, he said, there I will meet with you. And I will commune with you from above the mercy seat and between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony. That's Exodus 25, verse 22. God wanted to be with his people, so he had Moses to build the tabernacle. And there he communed with Moses. Many years later, the Lord chose Jerusalem to be the city in which he would place his name. And a temple was built there in Jerusalem for people to worship and to be with the Lord. And the Lord would actually dwell there in that temple in Jerusalem. When Jesus died on Calvary, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to abide with you. Today, because of what Jesus did at the cross, we now have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Do you see the progression? God is ever, ever since the fall, 
God is ever moving a little bit closer and a little bit closer, wanting to be with his people. At the second coming, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to set up his kingdom to rule and reign in this world. But there's still going to be sin in this world. There's still going to be uh, people who rebel and want to do their own thing in whatever the case. And uh, that's why Satan's going to be loose for a little season at the end of that millennial reign to pull all of these people who reject the Lord and they don't want to do right. They'd rather have sin than to have the Lord. And Satan's going to pull all these people together. The Bible simply says that fire came down out of heaven and consumed them all, and they were not. And that that was the end of that. But the Lord is going to be here for a thousand years. Again, the Lord wants to be with his people. But here, in Revelation 21 and verse 3, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself, we're talking about God the Father. God the Father shall be with them and be their God. That's when it's going to take place. He's going to renovate this earth by fire. New heavens, new earth. And then God's going to transfer his throne from the planet heaven to the planet earth. And the millennium, Christ ruling and reigning for a thousand years, is going to set the stage for the coming of God the Father. Haven, if you will, go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Then cometh the end when he, talking about Christ, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. That's the millennium. That's the millennial reign of Christ. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. John said, and death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. In other words, God himself is going to come from heaven to earth. And the millennial reign of Christ is what's going to set the stage for the coming of God the Father. And at the end of the millennial reign, this earth will be renovated by fire. And then the new Jerusalem will be coming down from God out of heaven. And you know what? Right now, these are mere words that we're reading. Right now, we can only see it with the eye of faith. 
But one day you're actually going to see this thing take place. And what a day that's going to be. Glory to God. program today has been a blessing to you. We hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.